what will our new resurrection body be like? Let's see what it's going to look like today on Abounding Grace. In eternity, we'll have new bodies suited for eternity. We start out in corruption, but we're raised incorruptible. We start out in dishonor, but we're raised in glory. We start in a natural body, but we're raised a supernatural body. And our spirits right now live in these earthly bodies uniquely designed to live on earth. But then our spirits will live in spiritual bodies uniquely designed to live in heaven. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for a quick glance at your guide on TV, and it becomes clear that makeovers are quite the thing these days. Whether it's a home, a person, or a car, everyone loves a good makeover. Here on Abounding Grace, we'll take a look at 1 Corinthians 15 and catch a glimpse of our future heavenly bodies, the ultimate makeover. And let me tell you, it's going to be great. Now here's Pastor Ed Taylor with insight on the resurrection. And he says in verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? So he's changing gears now. How's it going to happen then? Okay, now he's speaking to the ones that are, okay, I'm, I'm with you. I believe in the resurrection, but how's it going to happen? Okay. What body are they going to come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. You might want to mark that. Jesus said the same thing. That grain of wheat has to die in order to produce And when you wrestle with the flesh, you know, there's too much of you and me alive when God is trying to bring that death to the argument, death to the confidence, death to the pride. I mean, you can have that, that seed, you could put it up on a shelf and it's not going to do anything. It's just going to sit there. But you take that same seed and you bury it in dirt and the, the environment brings death out of it only to bring what? Life has to die. What you sow, verse 37, you don't sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. When the grain goes down, it doesn't come up a bunch of grains. It comes up something totally different, but the same. Isn't that amazing? Like when you put a, wheat, a grain of wheat in the ground, an orange tree doesn't come out. A bunch of seeds don't come out. It comes out as a stalk and the grain and the head at the top. It's not that little seed anymore, but it doesn't come out something different. You don't put, you don't put an apple seed in there and expect to get watermelons. It's not, that's not how it works. You put a watermelon seed, that seed dies, and what comes out is a vine that gives you more watermelon. It's incredible, God, how he designed things. Same thing in the resurrection. That's the picture he's painting. God gives it a body, verse 38, as he pleases. To each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fish, and another of birds. Isn't that incredible to you? That fish are uniquely designed to live underwater. It's amazing. They have a different body, a different structure, a different skin. But then the cow, he's perfectly suited just to 
stand out there and eat all day. He'd never make it in the water and the fish would never make it in the pasture because God's given them a unique body for exactly what they're designed. Now, he's just making some very practical things. Now, in verse 40, he says, there are celestial bodies or heavenly bodies. There are heavenly bodies. That's what you and I are going to get in the resurrection. There are also terrestrial bodies or bodies for the earth. That's what you and I have right now. Your body is perfectly suited for this environment. If you and I wanted to go to the moon, we would have to create a false environment for our bodies to survive there. Because our bodies weren't designed to live on the moon. Our bodies were designed to live here on Earth. We weren't designed to live on Mars or the moon or anywhere else that man is trying to look for some other life form. We found a piece of dust that moves God created you. Isn't it amazing to great lengths man will go to dismiss God from their lives? Blows my mind. I was one of them. And I'm so thankful that God, through the power of his resurrection, apprehended me. Because now your eyes open up immediately to the truth. I'm created by God. Whether there's life somewhere else or not, that's really not the issue. The issue is, what am I going to do with my life that God created and redeemed? That's really what it is. What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to use? And all the elements of science and all the study are only really pointing to the immensity of who God is and what I'm supposed to do with my life. Powerful. So he says there's different kind of bodies, and we see that. The glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. They both have advantages. The glory of the, there is, verse 41, the glory of the sun, another the glory of the moon, Another, the glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. So also, with all that understanding, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown, verse 43, in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So let me pause there for a second. Let me show you something. Notice back in verse 41, or excuse me, in verse 42. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. See the two words, the body? Are they in italics in your Bible there? Remember, a word in italics has been added by the translators to help us understand the flow of the sentence because the Greek doesn't make a lot of sense in English. So they're saying, he's talking about the body. Well, well no, Ed, that, those words aren't in the original language. You're right. But in the flow of the text, I want you to notice that body is mentioned in verse 44. If you'd like to write in your Bible, you can write the Greek word. It's the word soma, S-O-M-A. Same word that's used in twice, three times, four times in verse 44. And then I have circled, just so I know, back in verse 42, the word it Verse 43, it, 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 and then two bodies because there's a very important principle of the body that was sown and the body that was raised. They are of the same constitution. What that means is that the body of Jesus is a glorified, resurrected body of the one that he had that died. It wasn't something brand new waiting for him in the heavens. It was a resurrection of life of the same body. It's the promise that you and I have. How many of you came here tonight with aches and pains? 
Wow. Had them for a long time. They're going to go away. Right? They're going to go away because you're going to get a new body. How many of you came in bald tonight? <laughs> Come on. You, 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 you. I could, you're not going to raise your hand. I can see you. If we looked at pictures when you were young, man, you were flowing and gelling and looking good. Well, you and I one day will die bald, but we will resurrect with a full head of hair, man. I wonder if we'll get what we want, too, like by, by request. But aches and pains will go away. The constant, you see, you're going to still be you. You're not going to be resurrected to someone else. You don't get a spiritual body that isn't a real body. The resurrection is a one-to-one -one correspondence. You see it used over and over again. You're not going to get a body of a fish. You're not going to come back as a flea. There are false teachers out there that, that would say to you that if your karma's not right, you're messed up. And you're going to have to keep coming back until you get it right. And you come back as a fly, as a flea, as what, you know, and then you just like, you have no chance. That's not the resurrection. If God's able to make different kinds of bodies for men, animals, and birds, then certainly he can make a different kind of body for the resurrection of the believer. Of the same constitution. You're not going to get an earthly body in your resurrection. That's why you're going to get a spiritual body. Because your earthly body wasn't made for heaven. Your earthly body was made for earth. And so in this spiritual body, it's sown, you have to see this, it's sown a natural soma. It is raised a spiritual soma. Same essence. A different makeup. In eternity, we'll have new bodies suited for eternity. We start out in corruption, but we're raised incorruptible. We start out in dishonor, but we're raised in glory. We start in a natural body, but we're raised a supernatural body. And our spirits right now live in these earthly bodies uniquely designed to live on earth. But then our spirits will live in spiritual bodies uniquely designed to live in heaven. And he says, notice in verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Another comparison between the first Adam, Adam, and the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, we don't have time to get into it tonight, but we've done this in Romans, where we show how Adam represents the human race. And if one man sins and everybody has to pay the price for sin, which a lot of people go, that's not fair. I didn't do it. I can't believe I'm paying the price for Adam and Eve. Uh, so let's just pretend Adam and Eve didn't exist. And no, why would you ever? So Paul makes the point in Romans that because one man sinned, then God can send one man to save. You can't have it both ways. You can't, well, I don't want anything to do with Adam, but I'm okay with Jesus. No, it has to be both. And in Adam, we were born in corruption. Because after Adam sinned and had children, he could only have one type of kid, a sinful kid. And then he had another sinful kid, all the way up to you and me. We were born sinful kids. And even if you have a theological problem with that, you go, oh, I don't believe people are born in sin. The Bible says that. But even if you have a, a, a theological problem with that, 
It didn't take long for you to sin. You were selfish when you came out of the womb. Screaming. What were you screaming and yelling about? You were selfish. And so theologically, from the perspective of our nature, we were born in sin. But even, you know, you, you don't want to battle with those kind of things because the Bible is very clear. You, you, you see it lived out. You don't, you don't need to teach your kids how to scream and yell and hit each other. You don't have to have a sit down. It's a family meeting. You kids are just getting along too much. You're nice and kind and careful. I want to show you how to just whoop on your brother. Come here, Johnny. Okay, Dad. Come over here, Mary. Here's a wooden spoon. I'm going to have Johnny turn around and go play with Legos. Just sneak up on him and hit him. You don't need to teach him that. That that happens. Now, you might have to edit this as your kids are listening to it because I don't want to give them any ideas. Hide the wooden spoons. But hey, if you don't have any kids, you don't believe me, go serve in the children's ministry for a while. That's just how kids are. And we need to teach them righteousness. We need to give them guidelines and consistent, fair boundaries, just like we need with the Lord. The Bible studies here and the, the church over here and the church across the street are not teaching you evil, how to live evil lives. You don't need any instruction on that. All you need to do is stay out of the Bible for a week. Just leave the Bible alone just for a week. And tell me how it goes. I don't need to teach you that. What I need to teach you is, man, get in the Bible every day. Take it with you everywhere. If you just grasp that one little thing, it will get, take you so far. Bible studies are instructing righteousness to correct, to rebuke. Not to teach evil, but to teach righteousness. Why? Because we don't have a problem doing evil. It actually seems to come very naturally. Where what's unnatural for us is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. What's natural for us is just to sell out our neighbor for our own selves. That's where he is. The first Adam brought sin into the world. The last Adam took it away. And by faith in Jesus, your sin can be forgiven. He says in verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. That makes sense. you First, physical, and then in the resurrection, you're spiritual. It's very simple. The first man of the earth was made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born of the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And he's given insight on the resurrection. It's valid, it's true, and this is what it's going to look like. You have the example in Jesus. The, the psalmist, you can jot this down in your notes because we don't have time, but the psalmist understood this long before Paul did in Psalm 103. You can read it for homework. You know what he said in Psalm 103? It's familiar to many of you. That God knows our frame, that we are what? But dust. The psalmist knew that before Paul ever mentions it. Isn't it true that when you, when, you, when you think of the compassion and the love of Jesus, have you ever found this to be true? And if you haven't, you may someday. And that is, we tend to put more pressure on ourselves to perform for God than God does. 
to get to that place where we have that sense where we have pleased God, we put all this pressure on ourselves. And God doesn't put that pressure on us. He sends his Holy Spirit to comfort us and lead us and help us. He doesn't put that pressure on us. We do. Sometimes pastors do. Sometimes family will lay heavy guilt trips that God never has done. The whole religious systems are built out of guilt. That's not the heart of God. He knows your frame. He knows your butt dust. You don't surprise him. He knows. He's not in heaven all right now and just, I can't believe what they did. No, he says, oh, oh, that they might see my glory and trust me and they won't ever do it again. We put so much pressure on ourselves to produce. You know what we do? We set these promises. I promise you, God. You know what that makes you? A promise keeper. Really? You know what happens in a promise keeper's life? They put all the pressure on themselves to keep the promises that they made. And it doesn't take long before a person that has got that weight of Man, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to do this for the Lord. You might even make it four or five days, but the sixth day erases all the progress of the five days because you didn't keep the promise on the sixth day. And I would truly challenge you to look through the scriptures and just find anywhere where God says, I want you to be a promise keeper. God is the promise keeper. We're the faithful followers. We just trust God. Oh, God, you said that? I trust you. God, you want me to go there? I'm there. You want me to stay away from that? I'll stay away from that. You want me in your word? I'm in your word. And it's a free-flowing relationship where you're not putting more pressure on yourself. Haven't you learned yet? You can't keep your promises. If you could, then Jesus would never have told you and me to let your yes be yes and your no be no. He would never instruct us to be people of our word if he didn't know that we would break our promises. The solution as you begin to minister to your husband and your wife couples is not to promise behavioral changes, but to submit yourself to the spirit of God and let him live his life through you in your marriage and in your relationship. You know what will happen? It will surprise you how faithful God is. And at the end of the day, God gets all the glory. It wasn't a conference. It wasn't a promise. It wasn't a commitment. Just submit yourself to God and watch him start dealing with things in your life. You'll make it a lot longer. I resolve to stay away from apple pie. Dude, everywhere you go, there's going to be apple pie. And just mentioning it makes you want it. And you're just like, oh, I resolve, I'm just going to... No, no, no. I, 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 if you're going to make a resolution, make this one. I resolve to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding, acknowledging him in all my ways, and he'll direct my paths. So it's not a life of disobedience. It's not a life of, oh, I could just do what I want. No, it's a life of surrendered trust so that the pressure is not on you to perform. You're not a factory producing righteousness. I'm, a, I'm just going to work, 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 and I'm going to produce all that God wants. No, you're not a factory. You're a garden where God is delicately growing you up 
digging around and getting the roots out and putting a little fertilizer, you know, stinky stuff in your life, put a little fertilizer around. You would never want that in your life, but oh, how much it's grown you. You're not a factory to produce. God's developing and drawing you, and exactly what you want to be is what he wants you to be. It's amazing. What happens is we see so many people trying to polish and paint our earthen vessels. Isn't that what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4? We have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. The earthen vessels get all the attention and not the treasure. We have this treasure in us, this, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. But the problem is the vessel gets all the attention. And we polish it and we make it all pretty and it looks all good. And, and really what it does is take away our focus from the treasure that's in us the beauty of his presence in our lives. God loves to work on lives. He loves to change people from the inside out. He loves to bring about that outward change. He just goes about it inwardly first. And as you're changed on the inside, your behavior automatically changes. You're not so mean anymore. You're not so selfish anymore. You're not so, you're not so caught up in this. And you're not, you become a giver and a, a lover of God and a lover of people. And, and you really do step back at times. And if you haven't had this feeling in a while, you really need to pray through it. But you just stand back and go, it's amazing the life that I'm living now in Jesus. It's amazing. I can't believe it. And that's exactly the place where the Lord would have you. I can't believe it. I can't explain it. But I enjoy it. It's so good. You don't have to be caught up in what's going on in your mind. It's all about your mind. But the more you talk about your mind, the more you're entrapped by your mind because you're presenting yourself to yourself. Jesus said to whoever you present yourself, that is to who you become a slave. And if you present yourself to unrighteousness or, or behaviors that aren't very healthy, then they, you become a slave to those behaviors and they never go away, do they? They just perpetuate themselves. But you present yourself to Jesus as a vessel that doesn't own, you don't own yourself. You, you and I, we present ourselves to him and say, you know what, God, you do whatever you want to do in my life. That's my desire. I, you know all my hangups. You know that I'm just dust. But I know by the testimony of your word and the hundreds of people around me that you can change me. So I, here I am. Because I've taken all these steps it's gotten me nowhere. But I take that one step of surrender towards you. That, my friends, is the hope of the resurrection. A newness of life. You don't just wait now for the resurrection of your body. You can see things resurrected and you're not, you know, things that died because you were in sin, God can bring to life. Things that you lost, you know, the years that the locust has eaten, he loves to restore those. How does he do that? By a surrendered servant, just like, hey man, I've jacked up my whole life, but God, I know you can change it. Here I am. Can't go back and change anything, but I'll tell you what, today I'm going forward. I'm not, like Paul said, this one thing I do, I look forward, forgetting those things that are behind me. It's a great way to live your life. What you heard today on Abounding Grace is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series taken from the book of 1 Corinthians. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Look under sermons and then do a search for today's passage in 1 Corinthians. 
And you can also listen to Pastor Ed through our apps. Both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado apps will pop up when you search for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Put a bookmark where we left off in 1 Corinthians and come back next time when we'll continue the study with Pastor Ed Tanner. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 